Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. You are called to live to please Him. And if we're not living in that kind of obedience, not in the keeping of the law, but in following by the Spirit, Lord, what would you have me to do? What direction do you want me to go? I know there's some things I shouldn't be in, and Lord, I know there's other things I should be doing that I'm not doing. Help me, give me the power by your Spirit to be able to do those things. But there is freedom in that. It's not by the number of days that you come to church. It's not by the dietary things. It's not by the the do's and the don'ts. It's by a walk of the Spirit that says, Lord, I love you so much. I just want to be found obedient to you. And it breaks my heart when your heart is broken. You no longer need to live under the guilty conscience of the law. Instead, you can live for Christ and allow His love for you to be an inspiration to show love to others. Pastor David teaches you today to walk by the Spirit. To do this, you must place Jesus and a relationship with Him at the core of your being. Once you have Him, there you'll understand the need to share Him and His grace with others. It's then that you'll become a blessing to Him, His kingdom, and all who come to know Him through you. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Galatians chapter 6 as he continues his message, Those Galatians. If I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. You look at this and you think, man, is all of that the message that he gave to Peter? It's kind of like taking Peter to the woodshed and and kind of getting things straight with Peter. Because again, he says, man, it is not by the works of the law, Peter, and you know that. You know that, and you ought to be living that in front of both Gentile and Jew. Well, by the time we get to chapter 3, we realize that, again, he's, he's speaking to them uh, about the reality that salvation is, is a faith. It's not salvation of works. He continues on with that, with that, oh, foolish Galatians, why do you keep doing that? He speaks uh, over in verse 10, for as many are as are of the works of the law, they're under the curse. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He became the curse for us. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Again, 
not through the works of the law. And down in 19, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of the transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, that seed being Christ. Then it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Well, certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. So in other words, if we could do it by the law, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. But God knew that we couldn't do it by the law. That's why he sent Christ. Verse 32, the scripture is, conf- is confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the guard by the law, kept for the faith which was afterward to be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor or our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, then guess what? We no longer need the tutor. Jesus says, I don't come to do away with the law. I come to fulfill the law. Well, does that mean that the law is of no avail anymore? No, it's still there to help us understand the greatness of our need for grace, that grace has to work in us because none of us can keep the law. It's there, and once faith has come, I'm not being directed by the law anymore, other than that, just that continual reminder. Oh, yeah, man, I could never do this on my own. I could never make it on my own. Then he goes on, look down in verse 26. For you are all sons of God through, what? Through faith in Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you've put on Christ. Then he says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. Remember, he's talking to a bunch of Gentiles here. And this is like more wow information for them. Because, again, the Judaizers had come. You can't have these promises until you become Jews. And he'd say, no. Real sons of Abraham, as he tells us in Romans, real sons of Abraham are those who are by faith. And that's, in essence, what he's saying right here. Now he gets into chapter 4. And as he gets into chapter 4, he continues on with the same scenario. But he starts speaking about the difference of slavery. We were slaves to the law. But now we are sons or heirs of God. Look down in verse, um, verse 4. He said, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were literally slaves under the law, that we might receive the adoption. We are now sons and daughters. We're now heirs. And because you are sons, verse 6, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave of the law, but you are a son. And if a son, then you are an heir of God through Christ. 
Look down in verse 10. He's still going against the argument. What are you guys doing? Why are you living this way? Down in verse 10, he says, you're observing days and months and seasons and years. Man, I'm afraid for you. Lest I labored for you in vain. Man, I poured out my heart to you with the truth of the gospel. I come back and now you guys are, again, you're going through all the ritual and all the ceremony, not because you want to celebrate in it, but because you feel bound by it. Understand the difference here between celebrating something like a Passover meal or, or a feast and uh, recognizing what it all was. The, the difference between celebrating the, the day of Pentecost and all that that is and, and recognizing why these ceremonies, these rituals, these feast days. There's a world of difference between recognizing what they are for, for and enjoying that time versus being bound by them. You understand that? When you are bound, man, I have to keep this. I have to do this. I have to keep this uh, this dietary law. I have to keep these days. I have to worship on the Sabbath. There's a lot of Christians that are under that burden of the law there. And, and again, Paul said, no, that's not what grace is all about. And he continues with them. He says, man, I, I, I'm afraid I've labored in vain. Um, down in verse 13. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you didn't despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? What was it you heard, in other words? What was it that I spoke to you that that man touched your life so strongly? But I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? He says, I came to you with the fullness of the gospel. I told you the truth of the gospel of grace. You received it. Man, you were, you were all over it. And this again kind of refers to Paul's situation of, of his eyes, the, that there was probably a problem with his eyes. He said, man, you guys would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. We, we had great fellowship together. And now you've been listening to this garbage over here and it's turned you completely. And now I've become an enemy. Why? Because I'm coming back and telling you the truth. Sometimes we don't want to hear the truth, especially when we're, when we're walking away from the truth or when we find ourselves walking into a deeper bondage in our Christian life. And somebody said, brother, why, why are you burdening yourself? Oh, because that's the spiritual way to do that. That's the thing that I need to do. You don't need to do that. And then all of a sudden a division comes within brothers. I, I love Paul that, that Paul other, elsewhere, he says, you know what? If, if you're convicted of this thing in your heart, then you do it for yourself. But don't lay that personal conviction on a brother or a sister. Now, he's not talking about areas of sin. He's talking about areas of preference or some dietary stuff. And he says, you know, if, if you feel that you need to do that, then let that be on you. Let that burden be on you. Don't try to spread that burden out to a multitude of others. And unfortunately, too many times, we become evangelists for burdens rather than evangelists for grace. He says down in verse 17, the, 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 these ones that are, these Judaizers, they're zealously courting you, but for no good. 
Yeah, they, 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 they actually want to exclude you in order that you might be zealous for them. In other words, they're putting themselves up here and they're saying you're not worthy in order that you can suddenly turn and say, oh, but you guys, I want, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. Go, drop down to 21. You guys are running out of time. You're going to have to start listening really quick. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a handmaiden, that's Hagar, the other by the free woman, that's Sarah. But he who has the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise, which things are symbolic. There are two covenants, one from Mount Sinai that gives birth to bondage, that's Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Remember, that's where the law was given. And then this also corresponds uh, in Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Drop down to verse 28 real quick. Uh, now we, brethren, as, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. In other words, born of Sarah. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so now, nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we're not children of the bondwoman, but we are free. And so he's saying, just symbolically here, he says, you need to cast out that bondage that they're trying to bring on you because you are free in Christ. Now understand too, and I need to add this caveat because many times people that may be hearing this for the first time or don't really understand says, what, you mean I'm free? I can go and live any way that I want to. I can go do anything that I want to. Well, there's a whole teaching on that. But the reality is no, if you are Christ's, you are called to live to please him. And if we're not living in that kind of obedience, not in the keeping of the law, But in following by the Spirit, Lord, what would you have me to do? What direction do you want me to go? I know there's some things I shouldn't be in. And Lord, I know there's other things I should be doing that I'm not doing. Help me, give me the power by your Spirit to be able to do those things. But there is freedom in that. It's not by the number of days that you come to church. It's not by the dietary things. It's not by the the do's and the don'ts. It's by a walk of the Spirit that says, Lord, I love you so much. I just want to be found obedient to you. And it breaks my heart when your heart is broken. Oh, chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. But don't be entangled again with a yoke of, of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, and again, circumcised as a fulfillment of a, of a thing of the law, if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Now, that's, again, that, that, that's a powerful declaration. He says, I testify again to everyone who becomes circumcised that he is now a debtor to keep the whole law. You become estranged from Christ. You are uh, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. And we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. It's what we read earlier. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? But look down in verse 12. I could wish that those who troubled you were cut themselves. For you, brethren, you've been called to liberty. 
And then here it is. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and you devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Real quickly, this is it. Not walking under the law, not working through walking in the rituals and the ceremonies. But what does he say here in verse 16? I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, isn't that the deal right there, guys? Isn't that the deal right there? If I'm not walking in the spirit, I'm going to be walking in the flesh. And if I'm walking in the spirit, I'm going to be obeying and I'm going to be doing the things that God honors. The moment I get into the flesh, man, I'm taking care of the needs and the desires of the flesh. He says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And they are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Again, a small version of what he says in Romans, man. The things I want to do, I find myself not doing. Things I don't want to do, that's the very things I am doing. Oh, wretched man, you know, who shall save me uh, at that point in time? So verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're pretty well evident. Which are, here they come. You know, you, do you have your checklist ready? See how your day's gone today? Uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envyings, murders, and Jesus says if you hate your brother in your heart, you've you've committed murder. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in past that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he comes along and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And I believe that love is the fruit of the Spirit, and that is shown, it's demonstrated through a multiple of ways. Those multiple of ways, my, the love that I have is shown through joy, through peace, through long-suffering, through kindness, through goodness, through faithfulness, through gentleness, and through maintaining self under control. I don't like that word, self-control. Every time myself is in control, I get in trouble. Yeah, I don't want self-control. I want to be able to maintain self under control, under the control of the Spirit. He says, against such things there's no law. Those who are Christ, we've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Problem is, that old dude keeps crawling back out of, the, out of the tomb, doesn't he? Crawling out of the grave. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. And then he starts wrapping it up there in chapter 6. Again, brethren, if a man's overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill 
the law of Christ. Now, if anyone thinks himself to be something, and actually he's nothing, and he deceives himself. Oh, I got it. I got it all together. That's that sin that overtook you. That'll, that'll never overtake me because I've got it all together. That's what Paul is saying. You think you're something? No, you're, you're, you're deceiving yourself. And what he's saying here in all of this, if you're so spiritual, then you ought to see a brother or sister in, in trouble. And instead of pointing fingers, you ought to be reaching out a hand to encourage and to lift them up and to, again, be a blessing to them in a spirit of gentleness. And you got to be careful yourself, lest you also be tempted. And when he says to bear one another's burdens, that doesn't mean, well, i got to put up with you. Uh, I'm bearing with you. No, that's not what it means. What it means is to come up underneath, and I'm going to lift up. I'm going to bear that burden. I'm going to carry that burden for you. And so, again, that, that, that's what Paul is saying. No, we need to carry. We need to lift up one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, but then he also goes in verse 5. But don't forget, each one of you needs to bear your own burden. So, in other words, you do have a responsibility. I can't just say, well, that's just the way I am. No, I, I, I need to lay that thing uh, before Christ. I need to get my life right with him. He closes it out. I, there's a few more here, but look what he says in verse 17. I love how he closes this. But now let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He says, don't be bothering me with this stuff anymore. You guys know the truth. And why do you keep coming back as though what I've taught you and what I've shared with you is wrong? Don't be troubling me with that. You know the truth, so go and live it. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you or be with your spirit. One quick statement. Some have said that, again, Galatians and Paul's teachings of grace are in direct conflict with what James writes. One writer writes this. The book of Galatians and James deal with two complementary aspects of Christianity. Galatians highlights the gospel of grace that produces righteous living. James highlights the righteous living that proves that there is faith. There's no conflict. James, too, emphasizes the new birth through the gospel. And Galatians spends its final two chapters applying the doctrine of sola gratia to practical Christian living. Solo gratia, again, by grace alone, only through grace. It's not the works that we do. It's the reality that it has been done completely for us in Christ. We are wholly and solely dependent upon him. Amen? Amen. Uh, that, 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 that's, that's always an encouragement to me, especially at the end of a really hard week. That Man, thank you, Lord, that it's not up to me. That's not an excuse. Please understand that. That's just the reality of the faith and the comfort that we have, that it is the work of Christ, not the work of man. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? 
There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.